We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, welcome to an interview with the guys behind the Bolted podcast. We have Rafi Cantor and Ben Stein. Uh, How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Doing great. Uh, They have the Bolted podcast, which is coming out with four more episodes uh, into April every Tuesday. Uh, what was your guys' inspiration, I guess, behind doing this series? Yeah, so um, there was a, a few things that were happening uh, in 2019 when we first started working on this. Uh, so the first thing was that I was unemployed. Uh, the second thing was that I, uh, so I live, I was born and raised in San Diego, but I've lived in Los Angeles since 2013. I moved here to go to USC and stuck around. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, the other thing that happened was I went to my first LA chargers game after having, uh, been to many San Diego chargers games, um, when I was growing up, uh, and that experience was, uh, super, uh, interesting and weird and a lot of different emotions for me. Uh, and then the third thing that happened was, um, I was reading a book. Uh, I was working on a TV show at a time up in Canada, and I had been given a book by one of my coworkers there uh, called Boomtown by Sam Anderson. Um, and it's about uh, the history of Oklahoma City and also this one specific season of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, the year after they traded James Harden. And the uh, I remember going to that game and having a lot of time on my hands at the time. And... Uh, and thinking there's a story just like this, but for San Diego, Los Angeles, and the Chargers, these two cities, which um, you know are obviously linked by geography, but are now linked uh, by this franchise in a really meaningful way, and the relationship that um, has kind of always existed between these two cities historically, um, it was now kind of being uh, replicated physically with this football team. 
Uh, and so that was the kind of starting point um, that I went into it with. And that's when I called up Ben, uh, who, you know, never hesitated for a second about um, joining me on this. And we've been going for 15 months. Wow. So you guys have been working on it for a long time. Uh, yeah, Ben, what, what were your thoughts on kind of going into working on this project? So I, uh, right before Rafe, you know, a few months before Rafe had hit me up to do this, I had graduated from San Jose State in from their journalism department. And so I was starting my career in trying to start my career in sports journalism. And Rafe uh, had this idea. He came and talked to me about it. And like he said, never hesitated. This was immediately go. I knew that this was something that was um, able to be done and, and done well. Um, you know, like Reefy said, I, I grew up a Chargers fan for um, my entire life and uh, just there, loved the team and, and knew that there was some, there was more to this than, um, you know, we generally talked about or like the, you know, the, you know, mainstream, you know, m- most people are talking about. And once Rafi pitched the idea, it was just, there was, there was no doubt about it that, that we could do this. And you guys are originally from uh, San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. But right, Ben yeah. and I went to, went to preschool together in San Diego. So we've known, we've known <laughs> nice. each other for a very long time. Nice. Um, so when the Chargers did move initially, what were kind of your uh, thoughts and reactions? Because I, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm from New Jersey and Philadelphia, so I have no connection to the uh, Chargers or California. It makes it really confusing why I'm a Chargers fan anyway. But um, yeah, I, I was just thinking because, you know, there was a video of people burning Chargers gear in the middle of the city that day and people were, were very conflicted. So what were your guys' thoughts? Were you sort of still following the team uh, and wanted to become a fan of the uh, still of the Chargers or, you know, were there any conflicting emotions? Ben, you want to take that first? Sure. So at, at least for me, it was a ton of conflicting emotions. It was... Um, well, I, well, first off, uh, one of the things that Rafi and I have have talked about in our series, or people talk about in our series, but but we know is people in San Diego do not like LA, and it's just kind of something that is taught and 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 ingrained from a very young age, and it's and it's uh, so when they first announced, it wasn't just that they were leaving, but going to LA, it was an immediate. There's no way I could support this team, and. Uh, and I, I was confused and frustrated because I loved, like I said, I loved the chargers and I'd put so much time and energy into them that just going away cold Turkey was not a possibility. Um, and so I, I actually told my dad the, the very first week I said, okay, I'm still going to watch the team, but I, I just won't let them hurt me the way that they would every week if they would lose. <laughs> and then they lost and I was hurt really bad. It ruined my week. And so I said, Maybe I really am. Maybe I'm still a Chargers fan. Maybe I care more about the franchise than um, the city uh, that they were playing in. And after there was a few seasons, it was just a bunch of back and forth of, do I care as much or am I forcing it? And, you know, at the end of the day, I I clearly care about the franchise a ton because we just put 15 months into making a podcast, Uh, you know, and I wouldn't have done this. Uh, if it was a story that we didn't care, you know, I didn't, didn't have a ton of emotion towards. Um, and, and I still will pay attention to the team and I still follow all the, the rumors and the, and the acquisitions and everything. And I'm, but there's, there's definitely something that's different than when they were in San Diego. 
Um, you know, speaking for myself, uh, when they first announced that they were moving, uh, I felt very caught in the middle because, uh, like I said, grew up in San Diego, born and raised there, but I uh, have lived in San Diego, or lived in Los Angeles since 2013. So when they moved here in 2017, you know, there was this thought initially that, okay, it's like, you know, my team is coming to LA and I live in LA and now my team's going to be in the city where I live. Um, and I thought that eventually like that, that feeling was going to, you know, take over and I was going to feel this like really strong connection to the LA chargers. And honestly, it just never developed for me. Um, but I clearly, like Ben said, I clearly still care because I spent all this time and, and, you know, uh, Alex talking briefly, you said that you're from like Philly, New Jersey ish area. And the, the, one of the things that I think we've been discovering as we've been talking about the show where we've had a, a, quite a few people reach out to us who uh, do not follow the Chargers in any respect, are not fans of any, you know, of the Chargers in any form. But the way people plug into it is if you're from a city like Philadelphia or you're from a city like Milwaukee or a, a city that is a, a city, a big city, you know, and like has a lot of culture and pride in and of itself, but lives in the shadow of a much larger city that is close by. So New York and Philly's case or Chicago and Milwaukee's case, there is this kind of, uh, you know, little brother, little sister dynamic that plays out between these cities that it's just kind of, uh, you know, inescapable. And I think that for us, that was where we got this kind of universal uh, phenomenon that people could plug, in, plug into this story and where I found uh, a lot of the interesting between the line stuff to be. Uh, so in terms of the team now, um, you know, I definitely, like Ben said, I still follow the team. You know, I still have like Bleacher Report, all the apps open and stuff like that. Like, I, I you know, I still get the alerts and all that stuff. Um, my curiosity in the franchise is a lot less emotional and much more scientific. Um, you know, I, I think that the team is a fascinating team and the whole, you know, LA is a fascinating experiment and uh, I'm looking forward to following them and seeing where it goes. Right. Uh, you, you guys talked about kind of the cultural differences, right? Being that LA is this kind of big brother, San Diego is this kind of little brother. Um, were there any other cultural, uh, other kinds of differences that you noticed while making this documentary or just in your life between San Diego and LA that made this move for some people to be like a bridge too far? Um, I think just going back to what Ben was talking about, about, uh, you know, growing up in San Diego and not liking Los Angeles had nothing to do with the Chargers for our entire childhood because they were in San Diego. And so um, I think it was this feeling that, uh, you know, San Diego loves to pride itself and define itself on being not Los Angeles. It's, oh, there's so much traffic up there and the weather's just as good here and uh, you know, oh, it's so smoggy and then this and that and the other. Um, but then there's also this feeling of like, well, why does LA get all the cool stuff? You know, and so uh, I think that, uh, you know, in talking to people for the show, you know, one of the things that we had always said when we were making this is we don't want to do a project that you could just go to Twitter and find the usual BS of, you know, the San Diego people hating on the Chargers and the LA people hating on the San Diego people and da 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 da. Like, there's like, that's right. not. Like, you know, you can, like you said, we can go find that on Twitter. We wanted to find something that was new and unique and original. And one of the things that we found is there is this war in, in San Diego that's been going on long before the Chargers came to San Diego and will continue long after they left. 
And that is between the people who want San Diego to remain a sleepy little beach town and the people who want San Diego to be a, a big city and in the context of this story, an NFL city. And right now, the people who want San Diego to be a sleepy little beach town are winning and are continuing to win. And this show is as much about San Diego's identity crisis as a city and not having uh, that much of a tangible identity outside of being not Los Angeles as it is about a football team and all of that stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, you guys were making this documentary, obviously, for 15 months. Uh, so were, were there any things that you learned or maybe you previously thought something and then that totally changed by the end of the documentary? Yeah, you know, one thing that I, I repeatedly talk about is uh, how incredible the Chargers social media team has been. Um, it was something that I didn't really know or, or understand prior to doing this project, but uh, just through talking to people and then obviously observing it myself, just the different memes they post and um, the way that they keep them the, the team relevant just on social media and, and outside of the NFL. Um, right. One thing that we kind of talk about and have learned is that when the Chargers first moved up to LA, they kind of, they they tried to do some things that they had done in San Diego and they just tried to continue to, they didn't rebrand. They tried to, you know, be the same team. And uh, they, after a couple of years, they looked back and realized it was, you know, it wasn't working how they had expected it to. And they tried to change, um, you know, just, just things on their end, out, you know, multiple different things. But, but specifically in this uh, era, they're having uh, the, the players playing on so, on Twitch and on Call of Duty and Madden, and they're trying to engage fans in ways outside of of football. One thing that we've we've learned is that you you're not going to, and most sports fans know this, you're not going to convert somebody who's been a Patriots fan for 20 years now that the the Chargers are finally in LA in their city. You know, if you've been a Vikings fan for 25 years, you're not just all of a sudden going to root for the Chargers because they've moved to your city. Um, you need to have a reason. And, and what they're trying to do now is engage the, the younger generation, the, the kids who are, uh, you know, Rafi has mentioned this statistic to me before, but uh, Gen Z uh, are much more inclined to root for individual players instead of like a team or, or they, they're, that's where their interests lay. And so you might be able to find somebody who likes Justin Herbert because he's the offensive rookie of the year, even if they don't care about the Chargers. Or you might find somebody who likes Austin Eckler because they play video games with him on Twitch. And because of that, they'll bring him into watching them on Sunday. And, and that's just, I think, something they didn't try to do in San Diego. And Rafi, I don't know if you want to just add any details or if you have any other observations. but Yeah, just kind of going on the same uh, note, you know, I think the thing that was most surprising to me was the Chargers uh, long-term prospects in Los Angeles. I think when we went into the show, uh, because I had gone to this, you know, 2019 game uh, in, uh, I think it was week four, it was against the Broncos. And, you know, we obviously don't need to get too far back into it because everyone remembers like, you know, the stadiums were packed with away fans. And it was, I just remember going and, and thinking to myself, how is this going to work? Like, how is this going to work long-term? And as we dug 
more and more into the NFL's business model and how they're pivoting um, into being a more kind of uh, nationally and internationally focused league that collectively bargains their streaming rights, their TV rights to all the different TV networks and then split the money evenly. It provides this financial cushion and parachute that allows the teams to basically do whatever they need to do uh, to establish themselves in different places and still remain profitable. You know, the Chargers could have moved to Las Vegas and they would have been fine. And I actually think that they also would have been a potentially more interesting move. Uh, or they could have moved to the moon and they would have been fine because they have so much money coming in by just being an NFL team. Um, and because of that, and because of this now, you know, being a little bit more humble and realizing, like Ben said, that they need to pivot and target younger fans who are going to be paying Chargers fans in five years, 10 years, 15 years, and also having, frankly, a really, really sweet deal locked in at SoFi where they have to pay very little money and have a rent of $1 a year um, to stay there. I think that long term, they are actually going to be very secure in Los Angeles and, you know, may find their footing there. Right. And, um, you know, everybody kind of knows the the major players, I guess, in the move to L.A., right? You have your Dean Spanos and you have your Roger Goodell. Um, who are some of the other people uh, that you kind of learned about in the process of making this documentary that maybe the average Chargers fan or average sports fan wouldn't know? Um, well, it de- I think a lot of this depends on your age and when you started following the Chargers. Um, you know, one of the people we talked to extensively for the show uh, was this guy named Mike Aguirre who was the city attorney in San Diego in the mid 2000s. And if you're uh, if you grew up in San Diego or you've been following the team since, you know, th- that early time, those kind of Schottenheimer years, you know, Aguirre was this guy who kind of played, uh, you know, he was saw himself as being the people's advocate in San Diego uh, at a time when the city was really financially unstable. Um, but that was also the same time that the Chargers first tried to build a stadium on the site of what used to be Qualcomm Stadium. And, you know, Aguirre almost single-handedly took it down. And so for us to get to talk to him, I think that that was super great. Um, You know, obviously, I think a lot of Chargers fans know who Ryan Leaf is. Uh, We talked to Ryan Leaf extensively uh, for the show. You know, he gave us a lot of his time. He was really candid. But I think one of the things that also is underrated is that he was uh, playing for the team at a time when they had a deal in place with the city of San Diego called the Ticket Guarantee. Um, which essentially said that uh, the city guaranteed the Spanos family that they would buy any seats that were left unsold uh, at uh, Qualcomm Stadium anytime they didn't have any, uh, you know, they didn't have a sellout. And uh, because the team was really bad during that time, there were years where the Chargers, or where the city was buying thousands, if not tens of thousands of Chargers tickets on the taxpayer's dime. And that created a lot of like, you know, mistrust, distrust, bad blood. And this is back in like the late 90s and early 2000s. And so when you talk about this story, you know, one of the things that was so rewarding for us is that as we went further back and further back and further back in time, we realized that there was stuff to be learned that affected everything that would happen later down the road. And so, you know, if you listen to our show, the first date that we mentioned in the show is 1850 which is uh, the date that San Diego and and Los Angeles are both incorporated in the state of California. And this relationship really began. Um, And so uh, those are two kind of people that come to mind. I don't know, Ben, if you have any others. Um, I think, I think uh, Mike Aguirre was, was probably the, the biggest name that 
would, you know, that, that would answer that question. Um, I think the other main one that it's, it's a, it's a different perspective, but we, in the, we've talked to a few players who played on both the final couple of years of the chargers in time in San Diego and the first couple of years of their time in LA. And while they didn't have the same, you know, they, they weren't trying to get to LA or, or find a new stadium to be built or whatever in the same way as some of the executive positions were, but, um, but their perspective of the team in the last couple of years in San Diego was, and just talking about what was going on in San Diego and, and how they felt was something that I hadn't previously seen or, or, or heard. And so I think that that was, it was just very telling of, of the time in, in every, you know, both sides of that story. Um, yeah. Right. And um, you guys had an interesting interview, I thought, with uh, Arash uh, Murkazi. And he, uh, something he said for a while and also said on your podcast is his belief is the Chargers should have completely rebranded when they came to L.A. And that obviously is very different than what they actually ended up doing. Um, Do you think that that kind of would have worked or what were your thoughts on sort of that idea? I think it would have had two different uh, effects. The first is, is that it was an olive branch to Los Angeles if they would have done it. If they had approached them and said, if they approached LA and said, we want your input, we want you to tell us, you know, what you think the team should be called uh, and, you know, get buy-in from the community. Um, you know, one team that launched in LA that I thought did a really good job was uh, LAFC, uh, Los Angeles Football Club in the MLS, who they were announced, I want to say in like 2014 or 2015, but they didn't start playing until 2018. And they used that time to kind of go into communities and, uh, you know, specifically the Latino community in LA and build a really, um, you know, diehard following before they had ever kicked off a game. Obviously, the Chargers didn't have that kind of time on their hands. Um, But the other thing that happened by not rebranding was that, you know, the Chargers brand had been so inextricably tied to San Diego that I think it made it more difficult for them to transition to L.A. And it made the more made the, uh, you know, animosity between San Diego and L.A. a little bit more apparent because it really felt like it was San Diego's team playing in L.A. And if they had kind of done like maybe what the Oklahoma City Thunder did or the uh, Montreal Expos did when they moved and became the Washington Nationals and left the, the name and the history behind. Uh, you know, we, we saw the same thing uh, in Baltimore, uh, or uh, sorry, excuse me, in Cleveland, when, when the, Brown, the, the Browns moved initially and then got a team a couple of years later, uh, you know, all that, all that franchise history and stuff remained in Cleveland. And so even though the team was gone, it was a different interaction that Cleveland had with... Uh, they became the Cardinals, right? The Arizona Cardinals. Uh, that that they, you know, have had a different real relationship with the Cardinals than I think they would have had if they had just become like the Arizona Browns. So uh, <laughs> I, I think it would have been, you know, yeah, it sounds silly now, but I mean, San Diego yeah. Chargers are the LA Chargers. So, you know, it's, it's you know, to each their own. You know, the, I, I have, n- I, and doing this research, I, I don't know that we have, a great answer on if they would have actually rebranded what the outcome would be today. But I, I remember when they first announced that they were going to LA and people were talking about, should they become the Southern California chargers? Should they become, uh, you know, just the California chargers? How, how should they 
change. And I remember having, or, you know, should they change their team name and everything? I remember having conversations with family and friends about if they change away from the Chargers, that's going to take away everybody from San Diego because then it's no longer a team that used to be in San Diego. It's a team that used to play for San Diego, but is no longer trying to keep any ties. And, and so right. I do think that as sideways and backwards as it might have been, this rebrand really might, a non rebrand might have saved whatever percentage of fans in San Diego they did. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, I, I don't know that, that a, a total rebrand would have helped immediately. I do think that a total rebrand would have made it a more like cleaner break so that LA could have just taken the team and been like, okay, now it's ours. Right. And um, yeah, I think then you guys have hit on like the fact that the NFL has so much of this TV money that at the same time, it's like, you know, you can have zero people at the game or a hundred thousand people at the game. And, you know, it's still kind of the same bottom line in a sense, right? Obviously they lost money due to the pandemic this year, but you know, the overall framework has kind of stayed in place to the point where the chargers could be on the moon or they could be in Los Angeles. Um, And uh, one thing that I kind of wanted to ask was, do you think that something like this, uh, you know, the, being that the NFL is this, you know, big um, TV sport, do you think something like baseball, for example, right? <laughs> Let's say the San Diego Padres went to LA, um, you know, or something like that. Do you think that because that game is more regional that it wouldn't have worked out uh, as well or as well as it projects to for the Chargers? Yeah, I think it's uh, it, the NFL uh, prints money. You know what right. I mean? Like it's like they they it, it just it doesn't really matter. Uh, and I also think you know it, it's hard you know to use baseball as a specific example because baseball is unfortunately declining as a sport. Right. You know, it's a, it's a sport that I love, but uh, you know they're kind of failing to adapt to the times. Um, you know, I think that you could probably say the same thing about the NBA. I mean, the mm-hmm. NBA kind of proved that by going and playing in a bubble for for <laughs> for months on end and it's succeeding wildly. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a trend that you're going to see, especially with streaming now, um, that you're going to be seeing across sports. Um, and I'm sorry, I, I cannot remember the name of the league. And Ben, you might be able to help me out here or, or Alex. There's the league that that Johnny Manziel is playing in. That's like the player. It's like the arena league. The uh, fan controlled football, I think. Yeah. 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 Like that's that's the prime example of like pushing that to the nth degree where you like you know they don't have cities they play for they don't do anything it's all just about like the relationship that people have with the fans online like you're not you're not going to games in person you don't do anything and and it's it's a it's a fascinating and interesting concept and you're seeing it play out now and and on top of that i think i shared this with rafi when we were first kind of learning about or or really researching these uh topics the premier lacrosse league, the, the new professional lacrosse league, or maybe it's professional lacrosse league, whatever, is, is the exact same way. There's a there's like 10 or 12 teams and there is not one city. You're either a fan of the team for whatever right. reason, but but there isn't any city. So it's really just testing that theory out. Right. And um, <laughs> I'll leave you guys out on this. It's a big free agency week for the Chargers. Uh, what do you guys want them to do, I guess, in free agency or what do you guys think they'll do? Um, well, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I think it depends on what their draft strategy is going to be. There's, you know, it's been said ad nauseum a bajillion times, O-line, 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 that's the priority. Uh, obviously, uh, agree with that. 
Um, you know, I actually am pretty bullish on Hunter Henry as a tight end. I would love to see them try and, you know, bring him back. I hear people talking about maybe trading for Zach Ertz. I think that that's a bad idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, I know there's also talk about potentially bringing John Johnson over from the Rams. You know, he's familiar with coach Staley, all that stuff. Um, I find that to be very, very intriguing, especially with, uh, Casey Hayward gone. They're going to need some, some fresh juice into that secondary. Um, so those are two interesting options for me. Um, but I'm, I'm all eyes on the draft as well. Right. I'm, I'm going to kind of double down on that and, and also say, I'm really interested on, in the draft. I, uh, I'm very interested to see where the Chargers are going to take, you know, Justin Herbert and and see what how they want to build around him. Uh, I'm on the opposite spectrum of Rafi. I love offensive line. Um, I've I've all. I mean, it's it's so obvious that just a good offensive line can just make every team a little bit better. Um, so every every little offensive line rumor, Shreff or um, uh, I'm going to blank on all of the different offensive line. Uh, Kyle Long. Yeah. And literally any offensive line rumor I am all about. Uh, Dark horse for me also um, is uh, Zach Banner um, because I think you can get him cheap. uh, And uh, I'm just, I'm super biased because I went to USC. I'm wearing a USC hat right now. Uh, He's someone who has a a bad uh, uh, injury history, which I think, you know, when it comes to the chargers, obviously it's something that you're very, very concerned (laughs) about. And it's one of the things we talk about in the show extensively is why they have uh, such a poor injury history. Um, But uh you know, so if you can get him on something like a like a veteran minimum, you know, or a, a couple million bucks and bring him in, I think that that's actually a pretty good gamble, uh, especially if you're going to to draft some talent this year as well. And you're going to get that kind of cheap, controllable talent that rookies bring. So, yeah, the other team, the other free agent that I will say um, I'm, I would be very interested in the Chargers uh, trying to acquire going back to that social media and and having a, a fandom outside of football. I would love to see Juju Smith come back to LA. That would be, and I don't know what Chargers fans, oh, you know, think, I would but, love that. <laughs> right. I, I think I love his personality and I would love that. I, he obviously, as he went to USC, uh, fits well in LA. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited for free agency to see what they do. You know, <laughs> Steven has been excited for the draft for, for months and has been saying, Oh, line or bust <laughs> like many Chargers fans. Uh, well, I'm thankful that you guys came on the show. Uh, Rafi, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name as Rafi. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so fine. It, it does, it's not an intuitive name at all. Do not apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, you guys, for coming on the show. You can check out the Bolted Podcast on all podcast platforms everywhere. And you can follow them at Bolted Podcast on Twitter. Uh, so go check them out. Thanks, yeah. Alex. Thanks. So Thank much you for very much. On. This was awesome. This is yeah. great. Thanks, guys. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.